Who dat to another Saints Week, and welcome to the Who Dat Dish Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, we are part of the Fan Side Network, bringing you everything New Orleans Saints. That includes news, analysis, opinions, and fantastic guests. I'm your host, Dayton Brown, joined, as always, by the fantastic, our senior analyst, Charlie Pollock. Charlie, how you doing, man? Excited for Falcons Hate Week? Yeah, it's in full effect. Happy to be back. Tyler, what's up, dude? Oh, nothing much, man. Uh, just very excited. Hopefully, uh, we can uh, lay a whooping on the Falcons. But um, who to everybody? We've got another fantastic episode for you guys this week. Uh, to help us do that, though, we've got a great guest to introduce. He's a huge Saints fan. He's known for his YouTube channel, covering all the NFL teams, and his rambling podcast. Please, everybody, welcome Matt Ulrich. How you doing, Matt? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> That's good, man. Good to have you on the show, dude. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, real quick though, what are you thinking of the Saints so far uh, for the first two weeks? We we've we've talked a lot about them, and I know you've talked a lot about them on your own podcast. But for our listeners, how are you feeling about this team so far through two weeks? Uh, through two weeks, it's kind of murky and cloudy. Uh, one thing I'm kind of worried about is just you know, kind of the. It's basically basically the defense, uh, how, how they took a huge step back and how some players uh, kind of took a step down from how uh, they performed from, from 2017 to 2018, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was definitely a shocker week one to, to, to see it happen like mm-hmm. that. But uh, they get a chance to, uh, I, I guess, redeem themselves from what we've seen in week weeks one and week two. This Sunday gets the Falcons, which we'll get to in just a minute. But first, I want to know, Tyler, how are you doing, dude? Dude, I am very well. Any any week that the Saints play a division opponent that we absolutely despise, uh, that we can absolutely uh, slaughter them, maybe, or, like, really take advantage of them, you know, especially the, uh, considering how, like, uh, weak they are right now with their depth and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. it's funny, last year, we really dominated and turned everything around against the Panthers. So I'm hoping, mm. uh, praying we do that same thing against the Falcons this year. Yes, so. same, same week, too. It was week three against the Panthers in Carolina as well. This game will be in Atlanta. So you're right, some parallels there. Division rival week three after a, a shaky start to the season. Charlie, you getting those Twitter fingers ready for Sunday? I, I know you're uh, going to go off, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be wild if P.J. Williams sparked the, the mm. uh, defensive turnaround with an interception like la- like last year? Please, please. And I'll then, take anybody at this point. And then hopefully in week four, Ken Crawley can get going like he did against Miami in London with that interception uh, uh, on Jay Cutler, which, Charlie, you were at that game too. And that, that, that I think that was also a big – that was the first shutout the team had in a long time, and that interception yeah. helped jumpstart that. So Yeah, um, I would love for Crawley to uh, maybe bump that up a week. Mm, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Falcons Charlie just needs to attend every game. For us to wait around another week for Crawley to put it all together again. I love it. I love it. But uh, let, let's jump into some real quick important news, uh, which will flow into, I guess, the uh, injury report for this game. Tom Lee Lewis, our uh, wide receiver, has been with the team since last year, uh, who has also had some kick return, punt return duties for the team. He has been placed on IR, uh, so he's not going to be coming Ooh. back for the team this year. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, he did injure his knee against Cleveland, eventually got put to IR. The team signed Jay Bromley as the uh, subsequent move after that. But uh, uh, I, I guess it's good that the team decided to keep both Carr and you know Tom Lee Lewis uh, because that's eventually what it ended up um, <clears throat> happening earlier this, this uh, 
offseason and it was for depth purposes and a lot of people were wondering whether they were going to keep two or not and uh, even though Austin Carr was going to be on the practice squad it is uh, convenient that he's still on the team to kind of fill that in Uh, I'll just start with whoever wants to take it what do you guys think of the injury how how significant of it will will it be for the Saints Um, or or do you think that they're just going to be it's going to be next man up Tommy Lewis didn't have too big of an impact for the team Uh, and will Taysom Hill get more reps as a returner I wouldn't be surprised if Taysom did get more reps as a returner. I guess my only concern is in the punt return game. Um, <clears throat> not sure who we're going to put back there. But, I mean, this isn't necessarily a knock against Tommy Lee Lewis, but I don't think whoever the next guy is, I don't think there's going to be that much of drop-off. Like, it's not like we lost Devin Hester or any right. you know crazy return yeah. talent. So, you know, I, I like the idea of replacing – you know, if we have to replace Tommy Lewis, I like the idea of replacing him with a defensive guy. So mm. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't even know who you'd put back there. I guess I guess Taysom can do the return. I mean, the, what can't Taysom Hill do at this point? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what were you thinking, Matt? Yeah, with Tommy Lewis, uh, the thing about it is that I actually thought he was not going to make the team uh, going into 2018 season because his return abilities were pretty poor since – his, his biggest weakness was that he was really hesitant to hit holes or go full speed. He always wanted to try and uh, break mm. ankles or try and break tackles. And yeah. what was, it would just result in five-yard, two-yard gains, and, and it would just put him in pretty poor field position. But but uh, I think with returnability, I think it's probably going to be Taysom for a while. And if, say, say, Ted Ginn misses too many games, I think, there's a possibility Boston Scott could get promoted or they'll have some returners try out on Monday, per se. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they bring anybody in. Are You you think they're going to stay in-house? You think they're going to go out, Tyler? What are you thinking? I don't know, man. There are so many possibilities. I was hearing things on Twitter about maybe, like, Ted Ginn, maybe uh, Brandon Carr, uh, maybe, like, uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, too. You know, Matt brings up a good point about Boston Scott. You know, so many Saints fans want him to really contribute, and... That'd be cool to see him promoted from the practice squad. But, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't know. I think you guys all made a good point, you know, that I, I didn't really see Tommy Lee Lewis making the squad, you know, just because, like, I don't know. The, these past couple weeks he hasn't really been used as a receiver, only in special teams. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who we uh, put in that spot. But Yeah, one thing about Tommy Lee Lewis is, like, I guess this is his major knock is his size. So yeah, yeah. Like, has he ever not been tackled by the first onset of contact? You know, like if he's finds a crease, a lot, a lot of times, especially in the kick return game, if there's a crease there, you're going to have to be able to run through an arm tackle, and I've never seen him be able to do that. Yeah. And, yeah, that obviously does attribute to his size. And, like you said, that has been the biggest knock. And I'm with you guys. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be next man up. I've heard Kamara, Ted Ginn, Austin Carr are the three main guys who are going to be taking over for that punt return duties. As far as kickoff, though, for Taysom Hill, I I, I really hope that he's going to be next man up. For that, for those duties, because of the return he had last week against Cleveland, he did show he's shown flashes of his athleticism. So I want to see more out of him. And I don't think the Saints will go um, sign a free agent wide receiver at all because again, the blow of Tommy Lee Lewis uh, isn't that significant. Uh, there are some notable guys out there. There's still Jeremy Macklin, Jeremy Curley, Des Bryant, Carlos Henderson, Jalen Strong. There's a couple young guys. Kendall Wright, 
Lucky Whitehead, Marcus Wheaton. So there's some semi-intriguing uh, uh, options out there, but it's it's usually not the same style to kind of go out there and replace a fourth-string, fifth-string wide receiver like that. Uh, so I do expect them to stay in-house. Uh, and that leads well, and to- also uh, Tate, too. Remember uh, Brandon Tate? Tate. Yes. I don't think he's signed on to a team yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they wanted to really sign a returner, I could see that because he did perform well over summer. Yeah, good call. Tate. And Tate was a very surprising cut to not only a lot of Saints fans, but Nick Underhill, too, who we had on the show. He said that was one of his mm-hmm. most uh, shocking uh, when, when he ended up seeing the, the, the cuts, that Brandon Tate was one of the more shocking ones to him. So, yeah, that, that's also yeah. a good point. Definitely could be coming back. Um and uh, let, let's go into the injury report for this game. Obviously, uh, Tom Lee Lewis did um, uh, hit the IR. Tyler Davidson, Manti Teo uh, also did not practice this past Wednesday. And um, limited practice for Teron Armstead, Andres Pete, and Ted Ginn Jr. Um, and for Armstead and Ginn, it was their uh, knee. And for Andres Pete, it was his ankle, which I think uh, was what he injured against Cleveland last week, which he ended up coming back into the game. Um, same with Davidson. He's still dealing with the same uh, foot injury. Um, and for the Falcons, it's actually uh, makes the Saints injury report not look so bad. Devontae Freeman, <laughs> Tuck McKinley, Derek Shelby, and Julio Jones did not practice. Doesn't sound too good for Tuck. Talk could be out. Devontae Freeman could be out yet again. Julio Jones, who knows? They're probably just taking it slow. It does sound like, uh, uh, according to a couple of the articles I've, I've written, he was given a, like a Veterans Day off, kind of like uh, how what the Saints gave to Michael Thomas last week for his illness. Um, and then for their limited practice participants, it's Ben Garland, uh, who, who's, who's a good guard for them. He's dealing with calf injury. Corey Nelson and wide receiver Russell Gage, a couple of uh, uh, you know just, just minor guys, uh, minor injuries it sounds like. But, uh, yeah, right now, Talk McKinley is day-to-day, um, and they are going to be star— or they just moved uh, Andy Levitri to injured reserve as well. Uh, so there's quite a bit going on for the Falcons. Obviously, we talked about uh, the Deion Jones injury after week one. Uh, we Keanu Neal tore his ACL week one as well. Those were really big blows for them on the defensive side of the ball. Deion Jones linebacker, Keanu Neal, their, their, their safety— um, so any, any of those, how significant first off are those injuries guys for the Falcons and, and how are they going to benefit the saints? Uh, because obviously I think the biggest injury, uh, that'll end up benefiting the Saints, even though I, I hate to use benefiting and injuries in the same sentence, but there is a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reaction to, uh, any sort of injury for upcoming games. Uh, I think the Deion Jones is, is huge for the saints. Uh, what are you guys thinking after reading these injury reports? Um, well, uh, I was thinking, uh, first off, oh, I, I just realized this, and I put it in the chat. Uh, oopsies on my bad. I said Brandon Carr. I meant to say Austin Carr earlier. Sorry, Austin Carr. But, um, okay, uh, I think for me, uh, defense right now, Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, two huge, huge playmakers for that Atlanta defense. You know, it seems like uh, uh, they always have Drew Brees' number. You know, I think uh, this is going to be like the 20th time now that uh, Drew Brees has played Matt Ryan, you know, but... Just in general, I think the uh, the Atlanta defense loses two key playmakers. And then on the other side, uh, definitely a Devontae Freeman if he's out for the offense. Because, I mean, not that this is a great option for the Saints, but uh, it might force uh, Matt Ryan to throw the ball a lot more. So hopefully our defense doesn't get shredded. But that, those would be my guys. So, Well, the thing about losing Deion Jones is – he has the ability 
to hang with Kamara. Like he's one of the rare linebackers in the NFL that can hang with him. I mean, he knocked Kamara out of the last game yeah. we played in Atlanta. So not them not having him is gonna is gonna be tough for them. Um, but you know, the Falcons roster is one of the like most solid rosters in the NFL. They they have decent depth at safety. I think Deion Jones that that is going to be their biggest uh, loss, not only because of what he can do on the field, but also they don't really have a quality backup that can fill in, you know, to kind of minimize the the loss there. And then on offense, I mean, Tevin Coleman's good. There are some people that think Tevin Coleman's better than Devonta Freeman, at least better ball security, and um, you know, doesn't get his doesn't get as hurt as often as as Devonta Freeman does. So yeah, absolutely. Deion Jones, they're missing. They're Sorry. missing some guys. Yeah. It's still going to be a just a, a dog fight. And Deion Jones is one of the most versatile linebackers in the NFL at such a young age. So I and and he, he also had that the, the game ceiling interception against Drew Brees uh, a year ago was uh, also very painful. So uh, that that's obviously going to be X day uh, for this upcoming game. Uh, what are you thinking, uh, Matt? After reading this injury report, uh, right now I think probably the biggest loss that. Falcons definitely are going to suffer from it's uh it's losing Debo Jones and, De- and Keanu Neal because those two are not just you know really fat really fast and, and helping coverage but they're also very essential to the run defense because the rest of their linebackers are pretty light and sm- and small you got Devore Campbell that's under 230 pounds and you also got uh, uh Duke Riley who's mm. like he's really who's under 240 pounds so. So for this for the Saints especially that struggled a lot with the with the run, ha- having those two players out will will probably uh, ease it up a little bit. Probably you'll probably see some uh, bit better and maybe even bigger runs as the game does go on. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So mm-hmm. and and Duke Riley, former uh, LSU Tiger as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, you're right. He's yeah. yeah, great linebacker. They they're also Atlanta next man up. Uh, but l- l- let's jump into uh, uh, the preview real quick. And before I do, obviously, guys, be sure to head over to www.hoodatdish.com. Check out Fantastic Saints articles. If you're not living there, you should be. Uh, you can listen to the podcast here and then go on to the uh, website and check out the articles. Get a double dose of Saints news and analysis and opinions. So, uh, fantastic. And, Matt, before I jump into anything as well, plug away your social media and where people can find your work and stuff before we uh, jump into this uh, uh, preview. All right. Uh, on Twitter, I am NFL Ulrich Seventeen. That's spelled U L R I C H with the number seventeen. I also have a, a YouTube called VU Seventeen Eighty Seven, or or is it just VU Seventeen? Anyway, uh, I I do plan on recording probably after this uh, podcast. Uh, probably doing a little, might do a little later, and I also play a couple PlayStation games while I'm at it. There we go. That's like it. it. <laughs> nice, huh? Fan- nice. Fantastic. I know you're excited about the new Spider-Man game coming out too, man, if I can tell by your Everybody profile pic. So that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, for <laughs> New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, week three preview. Let's jump into it, guys. Of course, the game is going to be in the rip-off Mercedes-Benz Dome um, with very Truth. cheap food and half-empty stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. A toilet bowl and more Saints fans will be there than Falcons fans. It's it's almost a given at this point. But uh, Atlanta is coming off a home win over Carolina. 
uh, and they did lose to Philadelphia in Week One. So their win against Carolina, thirty-one to twenty-four. It was a very competitive game, as was their game against the defending Super Bowl champs, Philadelphia. They won that uh, by a score of eighteen to twelve. Um, that was that was one of the best Thursday night openers we've seen in a while, even though it was a defensive battle. Um, and obviously, the the Falcons' defense has been somewhat mediocre. They've gotten weaker because of the injuries, as we've mentioned. Dan Quinn is still a great defensive-minded head coach, uh, of course, coming over from the Seahawks. So, will the Saints, due to these injuries, and and, and perhaps uh, uh, maybe going on the road will, will, will spark something under under them uh, to start the season, really get it going. As we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the podcast with Tyler, week three last year was when they were able to amp it up against a division rival, which led to eight straight wins. Yes, sir. So will yep. the Saints have an easier time in this matchup than they've had in recent years? It's It's been it's been a back-and-forth battle with the Falcons. They've won three of the last four uh, matchups. Um and what will the Saints, if, if, if we are going to have an easier time, what will we have to try to expose on Atlanta's defense to accomplish that? I'll start with you, Matt. Uh, biggest thing we'll have to expose is definitely uh, the weakened lineback- linebackers. Uh, Campbell can cover a bit, but I think he's a bit weaker in the run game. And Duke Riley, you just have to take advantage of his lack of, si- lack of size. If you can minimize the linebackers, a lot of things should definitely open Uh Camaro should have a uh, will have a great game, and even the run game will probably get a big boost. Probably get a big boost with uh, without Deion Jones. One hundred percent, yeah. Uh, and they also have a, a fairly good front four: Vic Beasley, uh, Terrell McLean, Grady Jarrett, who's just a wily veteran out there. Brooks Reed is probably going to be filling in for for Tuck McKinley, and and he, he he has some talent as well. And then of course you have Duke Riley, you got Campbell, who you're mentioning. Uh, they have Kamal Ishmael. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, he's healthy. He's going to be good to go. Um, Charlie, Charlie, what do you think, man? What 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 do we got to expose out of this defense? Uh, obviously, linebackers is big. You liken their secondary. They do have some talent out there. Dan Quinn's a good good head coach. What what are the Saints' game plan going to have to be? Yeah, they do have a good secondary. They have good corners. Um, but like Matt was saying, I would go at the the linebackers are are not very big, and I. Uh, I would go at that with the. I mean, this is the game where the running game sort of has to get back on track, and um, you know, you, we really got to hope that Mike G or or uh, Jonathan Williams can step up. And one of those guys needs to step up in the running game. It cannot be all Alvin Kamara. I mean, we love Alvin Kamara. We want as much Alvin Kamara as possible. But I also want Alvin Kamara to be ready to roll in December, January, and February. So. The running game needs to get going. Uh, I think Breeze is going to be able to do what he does um, against those guys in the air. They typically have a hard time covering Michael Thomas, as does everybody else in the NFL. Um, Preach. So that's really it. I mean, it's getting the running game going on offense. And then on defense, um, continuing to tighten up our run defense, which has been our problem. And... You know, not blow coverages, just play sound defensive football. And the key to this game is going to be the turnover battle. If we lose the turnover battle, there's a good chance we lose the game. Although, last time we were in Atlanta, we had five interceptions and still found a way to lose. Yeah, that was bad. That was real bad when, yeah. when we ended up losing. That, that was one of the more painful games to watch. Uh, what are you thinking, Tyler? So, it's funny. Everybody mentioned uh, the Falcons' defense. But I, I'm thinking here that... The way we win is going to be how our defense performs. So, you know, it's sort of funny that, you know, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, they're pretty underrated when it comes to, like, uh, duos, you know, in a backfield. 
for NFL teams. You know, uh, obviously there are no Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, but uh, I think you're going to have a similar impact. You know, with uh, for example, with us, you know, having Mark Ingram out, that the Falcons are going to have having Devontae Freeman out if he's like really out for sure. So, I think if our defense can tighten up a bit and really, you know, make the Falcons one dimensional and really force Matt Ryan to stay in the pocket longer, look for everybody. And I think this is going to even hinder them even more if somehow, some way, God loves uh, God loves the Saints enough to keep Julio Jones out, but um. I think right now, if we could just make this uh, the Falcons' offense one-dimensional, really limit their passing attack, limit their ground game, you know, have Cameron Jordan, Marcus Sevenport all in the backfield, I think that's gonna be huge for the Saints right now. All right, so. Tyler, jump jumped ahead just a little bit, uh, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the the Saints' uh, um, defense and how they'll have to perform against the Falcons in just a second. But yeah, like you said, Charlie, for their secondary. Desmond Trufant, Ricardo Allen, obviously Neil is out. They do still have DeMonte Kazi, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be suspended for this game. You, I don't think anybody was expecting it for that hit he had on Cam Newton that got him ejected last week. But still, uh, uh, they also have Brian Poole back there. Uh, yeah. they're, they're just absolutely loaded. Justin Bethel as well. Uh, they're just absolutely loaded back there in the secondary. So um, even though Drew Brees has had a little bit of luck um, – going against them in the past uh they're still going to be able to create some turnovers possibly lock down and again with with drew Brees targeting michael thomas a lot um this this defense is, is going to try to double team him uh quite often they're going to try and take away his safety blanket and and alvin kamara so that's gonna maybe force drew Brees to to target ben ben watson ted Ginn jr if he's if he's healthy to go if he's kind of hindered that's that's going to affect his his go routes that could lead to uh, maybe, maybe some bad routes being ran and, and lead to some interceptions for Breeze. So um, for me, the focus is going to be on this Atlanta secondary and how they're going to be able to uh, – because so far they performed fairly well uh, this season. They they were beat a couple times by Cam Newton, but it was a lot of the um, – uh, Cam Newton working on his feet more so than uh, the secondary actually giving up uh, a bunch of plays. But um, – uh, let, let's jump into the other side of the ball because, of course, the Falcons, as, as Tyler was mentioning, they do have a ton of weapons, even with Devontae Freeman's injury. Calvin Ridley emerged last week, the rookie out of Alabama. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, they continue to connect on all cylinders. Tevin Coleman is just a fantasy star. The dude can run for however many yards you want him to, and, and, and he can catch out of the backfield as well. And then they also have guys, Justin Hooper, Muhammad Sanu. Those guys could be primary targets on a whole lot of NFL teams, and, and they're almost secondary guys there in the Falcons offense and still able to put up uh, major numbers. So uh, the Falcons are just you know coming out with a whole bunch of weapons for Matt Ryan, which is good. Um, and on the flip side, though, how would this New Orleans defense be able to keep up? Because we, we, we've seen Ken Crawley get beat often these, these past couple weeks against Antonio Calloway, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans beat our, our, our star cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, we've, Mark Williams uh, has been, and again, for because of the Dennis Allen, some of the play call he's been running, it, it's been suspect as in terms of how the safety help has been for the team. But uh, even though Marcus Williams has been beat, um, and but but how how is the defense going to be able to keep up? I'll start with you, Charlie. Uh, will the miscommunications kill us again, as they have done the first couple weeks? Do you expect to be a little bit more buttoned up uh, than 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 we've seen against Cleveland and Tampa? I think they should be a little bit more buttoned up. I mean, the first week there were obvious, um, there were more like technique issues. I thought in the first week, the second week was more 
the de- I thought for the most part the defense played fine instead of and except for towards the end where we kind of played that rush three and drop eight and and we weren't in our zones where we needed to be and we weren't passing guys through the way we needed to pass through. Um, but I think against the uh, the Falcons will run more of a pressed man. I mean you're going to see Marshawn Lattimore locked down on Julio and that'll be an awesome matchup that we'll get to enjoy. Um, and then you'll see Crawley on Sanu. And then, you know, you might see Marcus Williams over top helping more on Sanu. It would be my uh, that would be my guess um, just because they have to have the confidence that Marcus or that, yeah, that Marshawn Lattimore can lock down Julio Jones. That's basically how this defense came together last year was that we had a, a shutdown corner who could shut down the number one wide receiver and the rest of the defense had to do their job. So. Will it? Will will we keep it all together and not blow assignments? I can't, you know, I can't really say. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we did do that. Uh, just because I'm not fully a believer in this defense yet, because we haven't put it all together yet. But I think, you know, I mean, in more ways than one, this really is the week where everything has to come together for the Saints. It's another division game. You don't want to be zero and two in your division after the first three weeks of the season. You, mm. You know, getting a win on the road early in the season in Atlanta would be, it would, it really would just you know help the season huge. out. So we we cannot afford miscommunications and things like that. I mean, Dennis Allen has to come up with a game plan that he knows his guys can execute and execute well. If, if we get off to a slow start, it could be ugly. The defense gives up a couple touchdowns early on. It, it I, I think it has a possibility of getting out of control. Yeah, the Falcons are the kind of team where if they get if they roll up on you by ten and fourteen really quick, yeah. um, you could find yourself in trouble. I mean, the Saints have the offensive firepower to to run with that, but that's not something you want to do on the road mm. versus the Falcons. You want to keep it close, you know, or 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 you know, be out in front. You don't want to get into a you don't want to get into a track meet with them on the road, even in a half empty stadium. Matt, what are you thinking uh, for for how the defense is going to need to perform against this very talented Atlanta offense? They're going to have to watch out for rookie uh, Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I don't think – because I think Julio might get – might be a little limited. He might be at like at 80 or 90. He won't be at full speed. Uh, I think Sanu's probably going to see more Patrick Robinson because he'll probably be lined up in a slot more. But Calvin Ridley going against Ken Crawley is going to be the real one to watch out. Because I think uh, if Crawley's too flat-footed or is caught looking somewhere else, he's uh, – He's going to get beat a lot, and really will have a career game. Yeah, and he had uh, two touchdowns last week against Carolina after really only being targeted once the entire uh, opening night game against uh, Philadelphia. Didn't have any catches week one. Ends up week two coming out party, uh, and he could keep that momentum coming. Um, and I, I definitely agree with that, Matt. Uh, what about yeah. you, Tyler? It's funny, you know, I, I almost have to give credit. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but the Falcons actually have a ton of weapons offensively. You know, you've got Austin Hooper. They're a tight end who seemingly it seems like every time I've watched a Saints-Falcons game in the past so many years, it seems like the tight end always gets involved, always somehow, some way, finds a way to score points against us. And I think that'll be important. I think, you know, what uh, Charlie and Matt alluded to, you know, I, I think – it's going to be a great matchup between Lattimore and Julio Jones. But I think the like what fans should really be looking at is how the Saints defense covers Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, and Austin Hooper. Because I think those guys could equally, you know, combine, have just as much production and just as much um, 
uh, yards and touchdowns as uh, uh, Julio Jones could. So I think the Saints defense really needs to, you know, know their guy, play physical, you know, be aggressive. I think the Saints defense uh, keeps on talking about wanting to be that, you know, and I think it's going to come down to hopefully Ken Crawley, uh, P.J. Williams, even if he plays, you know, just everybody coming together and stopping the passing attack. Because if we can stop them, stop them on all cylinders and offense, they're going to fuse they're going to like sputter, you know, because they'll have nothing else to do. So, yeah, agreed. And to me, it's also all about the the pressure we're going to be able to get on Matt Ryan because the defense oh, hasn't absolutely. shown hasn't shown much of that throughout the first two weeks. Didn't get a sack against Tampa, got three against uh, Cleveland. Other than that, it was uh, we got guys getting into the backfield, uh, getting pressure on Tyra. But again, it's it's the Browns offensive line. They got uh, sacked seven. They gave up seven sacks against Pittsburgh the week before. Uh, so going up against a, a somewhat hindered Atlanta Falcons offensive line, they have to go up with with a backup there at guard, uh, and they also just put another guy on IR. So it's very possible to expose those weaknesses. So uh, Sheldon Rankins had 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 a good game last week. I want to see him again. David Onyemata step up a little bit. Hopefully he doesn't end up having to pay that ridiculous forty thousand dollar fine, and he can redeem himself <laughs> week three against the Falcons as well. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I. At this point, I, I just love seeing the dude on the field. I don't think it's it, – I'm just not even criticizing him at this point because he's just such a exciting, young, athletic rookie, and really I'm just watching to see what he's giving us. So uh, I'm, I'm anytime he's on the field, I, it's all eyes on, on Davenport to me. And, of course, you got Cam Jordan back there on the other side. Alex Okafor, too, uh, look, looked better week two than he did week one. But Cam Jordan, expecting a lot out of him. He's had a lot of success against the Falcons in the past. Uh, so looking forward to that, and of course our, our linebackers to see what we can uh, uh, improve upon. Uh, obviously, Manti Teo is dealing with an injury right now. Do we end up going with uh, uh, more Anzalone there in the packages? Uh, Klein again looked better in week two than he did in week one. He stepped up. Demario Davis uh, tends to always look good for 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 the Saints and uh, at least most aspects on the field. So um, yeah, I, th- I think really it falls down to this front seven how we're going to be able to get pressure. Linebackers step up a little bit than they have in the first two secondary is just kind mm-hmm. of a, a mixed bag right now i need to see more out of them before i can make any uh determinations on them but uh shout out to michael thomas going back to the offense real quick he does hold the nfl record 28 receptions through the f- team's first two games he broke former atlanta falcon andre risen's record of 26 through the first two games it's a little interesting tidbit right there but uh let, let's go back to the point i was talking about earlier about whether or not atlanta will double team him and i know charlie you've talked about how they've handled it in the past but with the increase and, and it's crazy to see him get an increased workload. I didn't think that was possible for Michael Thomas. But his increased workload so far this year, will that warrant more double teams from Atlanta? If so, will that open up uh, some more options for the Saints? Or will it kind of be a little bit more balanced and force the Saints to stick to the Thomas and Kamara game plan that they've been running the past two weeks, which has been kind of kind of choppy for the team? What are you, what, what are you thinking? Um. I mean, if they want to try to double Michael Thomas, they can. The only thing is there are other weapons on the offense that that will – I mean, that will just open it up and give them the opportunity to finally really come to it. I mean, if Ted plays, uh, which I hope he is, um, you know, that's someone who would immediately benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Or Traquan Smith. I mean, th- maybe this is the opportunity where he can get involved more. Peyton alluded to it this week that he wants to try to get Traquan Smith involved more. You know, if if they try to do that, yeah. If you double team, if you double team anyone on this offense, it's just going to give 
the opportunity for somebody else to step up. And, and it's the same on the flip side. If we try to double team Julio, mm-hmm. then Calvin Ridley could go off or Mohamed Sanu could go off or, you know, it, there it's, there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. So if they could go ahead and try to double team Thomas, um, he's, he's a strong receiver and can, and can still get open on, on double teams. So I don't know. I don't know how they how they plan on doing it. I just you know like every other time they play, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really good game. It's a possibility. Cam Meredith could be playing too. I I I don't know if I don't think Peyton's made a decision yet. And obviously we don't really know until Sunday either way when we see him. We see those Nick Underhill tweets saying he uh, saw Cam Meredith jogging with about seven eight other guys who look like they'll be inactive. So we really won't know until then. But. With the Tom Lee Lewis injury, doesn't sound like they're making any any moves to replace that specific position. I could see Cam Meredith coming in, and this could be a, a game where, where Meredith uh, uh, is able to step up right away because of the uh, extra attention being forced to Michael Thomas. But uh, give us your thoughts on that, Tyler. What are you thinking? Um, right now, honestly, uh, I'm not sure if it even matters if they double team or not because Drew Brees is an ace at throwing the ball and he's going to find the open man nine times out of ten you know and i i've been alluding this alluding uh looting at this for weeks and ever since the saints started ever since we saw the week one loss to tampa bay unfortunately i think the saints need to get everybody involved you know and i think this is a game to do it you know the the falcons defense has injuries we already talked about that drew Brees, hall of fame quarterback knows what he's doing we need to see more of Traquan Smith, Austin Carr, and Cameron Meredith if he plays. You know, because we said it last week. Uh, what happens though if uh, teams are seeing Michael Thomas go off every week and they decide to double team him? If that happens this week, Drew Brees can't afford to throw it uh, twenty times to Michael Thomas because you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have him get picked off. You know, so I, I I'm not sure. You know, I'm not Dan Quinn. I'm not sure if they're gonna double team him. I think it'd be stupid either way because Michael Thomas will beat you several times. But um, I just think as a whole, the Saints' offense needs to work together and get more people involved. So, Matt, are you worried about Breeze's ability to find Thomas this upcoming Sunday, or do you think they're the offense is gonna work like a well well oiled machine yet again? I think the offense is probably gonna be fine. Uh, probably the biggest concern I'll have is blitz pickup, since that's that was probably the biggest concern going in uh, in the Cleveland game. Mm. Uh, Drew Brees had a couple times, had too many times where uh, there was a free rusher, and no doubt Dan Quinn is probably looking at that, going, "Let's see if we can get a couple free rushes," because they also have some fast guys uh, with with their linebackers. So the blitz pickup has to happen, and even if they do try to double team Michael Thomas. Um, I think they'll just have someone else, like maybe Austin Carr, maybe Trey Quan, probably get probably run get open pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Do you guys, do you guys think Meredith will play? I think I, th- I think Meredith is going to be good to go. And again, it, it it does depend on the injury. We talked about this this uh, last episode with with Jordan's insight. It does sound like it's mainly an injury concern, but also Peyton did say in a press conference he's making a lot of progress. He's looking good so far. I expect to see him play. You guys expect you guys expecting some Meredith? Yeah, well, Hopefully. one thing you said that that kind of made sense was the corresponding roster move for Tommy Lee Lewis was adding Jay a defensive Brown. tackle. Yeah. So, I think that this could should be the game where Meredith is active. I mean, I don't know, it, it, just on paper, like lining up as a defensive back across from Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, Ted Kinn Jr., and Cameron Meredith would be quite 
intimidating with Alvin Kamara in the backfield and then Drew Brees is their quarterback. Like that, mm-hmm. that on paper sounds, abs- you know, phenomenal. But you know, let's hope that it all comes together this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Matt, Matt Tyler, you guys uh, expecting Meredith too? Because I, I, I guess, I guess the you can uh, go, Matt. The, the the move I, to to add Bromley almost kind of kind of gives it away if they if they're not going to make a subsequent move but I guess anything's possible. They're uh they're not going to activate him. They're he's going to be inactive at least this last game he'll be inactive. Okay. You think so? Yeah. I think they'll give him one more game probably about week 4 so Sean Payne does like to play it safe. Yeah, Sean mm-hmm. Payne likes to play it safe sometimes so I I, I get that. Yeah, the yeah, last thing we need I, I just is. Don't see f- I, don't, I just don't see five uh, receivers that are not return specialists mm. all be active. Yeah, good point. I was going to say the last thing we need is, you know, having somebody inexperienced out there, not familiar with all the playbook, uh, making the wrong move, you know, the wrong route, and then having Drew Brees throw an interception. Because we've alluded to it before that um, Drew Brees, you know, he's, he's not 6'5. He needs his receivers to be in the spot where he tells them to be, you know, they need to run exact routes, be in that specific area. So if he's not ready, you know, even we mentioned before last week or last episode that, um, uh, that Jubilee just needs to throw it. They need to be, you know, all on the same page, you know, maybe even give Cameron Meredith, a, um, a smaller playbook, 15 plays, you know, I, I would love to see him play this week. I don't know if he's going to, but I hope he does. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I'd love to at least just see him in action uh, in a Saints uniform for the regular season because I like the 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 very small sample size we saw from the the catcher two catches he had during preseason. Um, and that that leads me into the next question. Uh, obviously, if Meredith doesn't play. If if he does play, I I I, I want to see him in action. But there are a couple guys I think on both sides of the ball that we'd all like to see step up. Um, for me on offense. Uh, it's 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 a guy we mentioned that kind of struggled last week against Cleveland, Max Unger. He's the anchor in the middle for that offensive line. I want to see him, and, and we know how well he can play, and I think he will bounce back, which is why he's my pick for offense. Um, on defense, uh, I, I'm re- really looking forward to Cam Jordan making some noise out there. I want to see him step up a little bit. He is the leader of this defense, but I, I want him to show, again, he had, two, he had, he had two sacks last week, which, which was nice, but uh, it didn't really have too big of a significant impact on the game. I, I want him to, because they only lost a total of 13 yards in the three sacks against Tyrod Taylor. Um, I want him to get 10-yard loss sacks. I want him to get sacks that absolutely derail this Atlanta Falcons offensive line. That's what, that's the Cam Jordan I want to see. I want to see him dominate, Truth. step up and dominate. Um, uh, I, whoever wants it next. One guy on each side of the ball you want to see step up uh, for this game. And if you guys have any bold predictions for this game too, not not score prediction. We'll get to score prediction in a second. But any bold predictions, lay those out too. Uh, I'll just go, I guess. Okay, so um, on offense, Mike Gillisley, you know, I'd love to see him run all over the Falcons. Give me a little hope that our our, our run offense isn't that terrible without Mark Ingram. And um, on defense, Alex Okafor, you know, Cameron Jordan can make an impact. Uh, Marcus Davenport can too in his limited snaps. Let's see Alex Okafor do it too. Let's see a three-headed beast at defensive end. That'd be nice. So my bold prediction, I actually wrote it on Twitter, I, my bold prediction is that Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Traquan Smith, yes, the rookie, Traquan Smith, and Tegan Jr. all have a touchdown against the Falcons. I don't know if they'll be receiving or running, but I think they all have a touchdown. That's my bold prediction. So I like it. Charlie, Matt, either one of you guys want to take it? Take it, Matt. All right. Um, my, my guy on offense 
has to be uh, <laughs> uh, Ben Watson. I think he'll have a sneaky. I think he'll have a sneaky good game. Uh, might get a touchdown. He won't have like a an elite number. Elite numbers like ten receptions for like over hundred yards, but he'll do well enough. Probably like five catches, six yards, and probably a touchdown. And I my guy in defense. And my guy on defense, who I definitely want to see play, is Craig Robertson. I think mm. he's probably the truth we need at uh, linebacker the most. If Teo doesn't go, I hope we, I hope Robertson gets much more playing time. Agreed. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your bowl prediction? Bowl prediction: Saints get four sacks and mm. two forced fumbles. Love it. Ooh, nice. Love, I'd love to see that. How about you, Charlie? Uh, bold prediction is this game is the exact opposite of what everyone thinks is going to happen, and it's not a track meet, and it's a defensive struggle. Okay. Ooh. Because okay. it can happen. I mean, these yeah. these, these divisional games, they, the teams know each other very well. Um, yeah. I mean, the over-under on this guy, I haven't looked at the line yet, but it's probably, what, 53 or something would be my guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up right now real quick. but Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those games that ended like – 20 to 17 or something like that yeah. just just a because match two, yeah just because the two teams really know each other well and let me see here the over yeah, under 50, is 53 and a half 53 wow. and a half 54 yeah, the, yeah. Spread, the falcons are favored by three points too yeah that's, that's, which is that's, it's that's, a whole matchup that's 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 normal yeah that's about the line you'd get for two evenly matched teams for the home team i mean yeah. that makes yeah it makes sense i i, I don't know but um yeah, that's my bold prediction is that it'll actually be closer or closer to a defensive struggle than a track meet. I like that. Any any guys you want to see step up? You guys I want to see step up specifically, um, I guess. Obviously, you want to see every guy step up from a three point yeah, over the Browns, true. but you know. Yeah, my my guys I want to see step up um, on offense. It's going to be who, which other running back is going to be able to show that they can carry the load for for another what two games. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's Mike G or if it's um, Jonathan Williams, I don't care who it is. I just one of those guys step up. True. Um, and I guess the running game as a whole, whether it's a, an issue with the line or an issue with, in the backfield, that's what I mean. That has to happen. And then on defense, um, I really would like to see more push up the middle. I like what we saw from Rankins last week. I thought Onyemata played better week one. But I feel okay with our guys coming off the edge, um, Okafor, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. But I'd like to see Matt Ryan having trouble stepping up into the pocket and making his throws. Because Matt Ryan, Perfect. he doesn't have this like laser rocket arm. He, mm. you know, it's not. If you can step up into his face and kind of get him off his spot a little bit, you can you can cause him to have some some pretty terrible throws, which we should be able to feast on. So that's right. you know, push up the middle and running game on offense. If you get pressure on Matt Ryan, he starts to look a little bit like Andy Dalton has the past couple years, just under duress, panic throws, uh, and, and again, doesn't have that strong of an arm, so he, he can underthrow his receivers. Um, and if he steps up a little bit too much, we've seen it. If he's, if, he's, if he's having to step up into the pocket, he overthrows his receivers a lot of the time. We've seen it with Julio uh, time and time again. So, yes, I think pressure is going to be key to this game. Let's get into score predictions, how we think the game is going to go. Obviously, 
I don't think any of us want to see the Saints lose, but if you do think it's a possibility, definitely don't hold it. You don't you don't you don't necessarily have to be have to be homer. If you do think the Falcons are gonna win, it's okay. I won't I won't be mad if you, if, if one of <laughs> you guys predicts you off the, the Falcons to, yeah, yet. no, it's okay. I totally understand. But um we'll go it, it, we'll, we'll just go me, Matt, Charlie, and then Tyler for the for the for the predictions. But um for me, I'm I'm kind of on the same page as Charlie is because last week I also predicted the Browns Saints game wasn't going to be you know the Saints running up a score on them I think I I predicted the team to win 24 to 14 24 to 17 they ended up winning 21 to 18 so it was right in there this time I think it's going to be more so like I, th- I think it's going to be a really really close game I think it'll end up being like 28 24 um and I maybe even 28 27 I think it could end up being like a, a one point game um. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the Saints are going to win. I think I think the final score would be 28-24 Saints. That's what I'm sticking with. Um, expect uh, uh, the Saints to. I, I, I think that they'll perform well in the red zone if they end up getting there. I, th- I think what the Saints are going to struggle with early on is not getting past that 50-yard line unless we have a couple of explosive plays from Kamar or something. But I think the, the uh, Falcons defense will kind of be fairly fine-tuned, amped up to start the game out. Saints will get off to a slow start. But I think once the team starts getting into the red zone, we'll get some nice nice touchdowns. I, th- I think Thomas will have uh, at least one touchdown reception. I think Kamara is going to have a nice game as well. But also look for, for I think, Ben, Wa- uh, yeah, ben Watson is going to be very vital in the red zone for us against this Falcons defense. Any mismatch that we can find is going to be nice. And with Deion Jones out, who was really their their guy to defend at the goal line, especially against tight ends, look for. I, I think Ben Watson's also going to have a touchdown there. So I think it'll be a slow start for the Saints, but I have them winning twenty eight twenty four. I think it will be a shootout. Not as many points as uh, I guess the, the the line is saying, but uh, pretty close still for me. But uh, yeah, twenty eight twenty four Saints win. That's my prediction. What do you think, Matt? I think it's going to be kind of a who can strike first and who can strike who will strike first and who will keep it going, etc. I think uh, teams are going to. Uh, I think both teams are going to score, have plenty of scoring opportunities, but I think the Saints might put up a couple more touchdowns over the um, Falcons when it comes when it comes down to the wire. So I mm-hmm. have the Saints winning thirty-five to twenty-seven. I like it. Not I bad. Like it. What do you think, Charlie? I'm going to go 23-20 Saints win. Mm. Ooh, mm. there you go. Okay. It's going to be a nail-biter. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't it's going to be so dramatic, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm just trying to mentally prepare myself for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, can't right. wait for, I can't wait for my timeline with your Twitter feed, Charlie. I'm excited. Yeah, go ahead and you guys if you don't want to see um, – <laughs> me going ballistic on sunday i've been a little bit better this year i mean yeah. a little bit better. a Got little you. bit it's okay it's well okay. there you go um for me i'm gonna go saints win 29 20 i think uh uh i forget who said it but i think you know both teams are gonna have a lot of opportunities i think matt said it yeah both teams are gonna have a lot of opportunities to score um i think the saints just capitalize more because of their depth if they actually decide to utilize it at the offense position i think the Saints make some key stops, and Cameron Jordan will eat Matt Ryan for breakfast. So, um, <laughs> so we talked about the NFC South a little bit with the Saints and the Falcons, but let's talk about them a little bit more as a whole. So, right now, um, I'll have to pay out some money if anybody had it, but um, I don't think anybody really predicted that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick of all quarterbacks would be leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to an undefeated record through two games. I mean, I'm pretty shocked myself, but um, yeah. Yeah, and 
the Saints are in a three-way tie with the Panthers and the Dirty Birds, uh, all sitting at one and one. So right now, do you guys think that Tampa Bay is this their division to lose? And once uh, James Winston gets back from suspension, who's going to start out as a quarterback? You know, because you could really go either way there. So for for me, um, if if I'm head coaching the the Buccaneers, or really any team that has this sort of situation. A three-game, so let's say Fitzpatrick goes off again next week, uh, Monday night against the Steelers, has has another game, 400 yards, because the Steelers' defense has been very vulnerable. We, we've seen the first two weeks. So it's yeah, without possible. Ryan Chazier. What? Yeah. No, I was just going to say, without Ryan Chazier, oh, I yeah, keep yeah, yeah. stats about no. him. Yeah, ever They're since, so vulnerable. Ever since his injury, yeah, they've been absolutely vulnerable. Uh, so I think it's very possible he could have a game again like that. But the three-game... Uh, uh, it's just a very small sample size to uh, essentially, and the Buccaneers really do like Jameis Winston, believe it or not, even though like, you know, he's, he's he eating the W food. and he uh, does all this stuff with Uber drivers and stuff. The Buccaneers really <laughs> like Winston. They, they did spend the number one overall pick on him. So it's going to be hard for them to move on. This does remind me of the Kaepernick, Alex Smith situation. Um, we had a few years ago, the 49ers, great team. Alex Smith goes down with a concussion. Comes back a few weeks later. Kaepernick was performing so well, they decided to go with him and not name Alex Smith the returning starter. Smith was also number one overall pick, but that had been seven years prior. They're still. This is Jameis Winston's fourth season in the year, so it'd be kind of kind of difficult for the team uh, for a three game sample size to move on from Winston that quickly because then you're essentially saying, hey. Uh, even Ryan Fitzpatrick is a free agent after this year, but we were valuing him more than than Winston, uh, which which is which is valid after the performance he's been showing so far this year. But still, three games is such a small sample size. Dirk Cotter likes um, uh, Winston a whole lot, as does that Tampa Bay front office. Um, I'm not sure how the teammates are going to be receiving Winston coming back because they seem to be um, warming up to Fitzpatrick being their quarterback. I know the receivers are because it seems to be um, a lot more exciting plays under Fitzpatrick than it has been for Winston. A lot less turnovers too, might I add. So to me, I think it'd be the smart decision to move Fitzpatrick even with a small sample size. I don't see the Buccaneers doing that though. I see them naming Winston the starter uh, once, once he's able to come back. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think Fitzpatrick's going to stay as a starter for, for quite a bit. I think it's going to take maybe one or or two games to where uh, Winston will have to fight, fight for his job. That's just what he's going to have to do. Fitzpatrick's mm-hmm. playing too well. He, he's going to have to fight for his job. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think uh, they'll leave Fitz a, a quarterback um, absolutely when when – when Winston comes back, the only thing is, you know, at that point, how how short is is Fitzpat is Fitzpatrick's leash? Like he can he he's the kind of quarterback who can go out and throw five picks and just look horrendous, you know. Yeah. And and if is is it a bad half, you know, where they they pull him and put Jameis in? Is it a bad game? Is it two games? But um, you know, Dirk Cutters, I I want to think that he's perhaps on the hot seat um, because I think that team has underperformed. So when you're winning, um, you you know you're sitting atop of the division, you with a good chance of beating a a, a surprisingly struggling um, Pittsburgh team at home Monday night. You know I think I think he rolls with with Fitz, and then kind of go from there and see how long uh, Fitz's leash is going to be. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know it's funny. I think um, hey, if anybody from the 
Buccaneers organization, if you're somehow, some way found yourself onto this podcast, uh, uh, drop Fitzpatrick and start Jameis Winston. I'm sure that'll go well for you guys. But um, if you're not listening to this podcast, so then uh, I assume they're probably, probably just going to stick with um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He looks great so far. And I actually picked him up on my fantasy team just because of it, just I, in case. I think you guys but, are uh, overestimating how how intelligent the the Tampa Bay front or team decisions really are. I don't, I don't. Hey, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we'll see though. But we'll see. Get, I'm usually wrong yeah. anyway, so you guys are probably. I right. saw somewhere that uh, Fitzpatrick has more touchdown passes than Troy Aikman. Oh yeah, yeah. The Troy Aikman he, said nobody cares. I'm yeah, sorry. I retweeted Troy's uh, response was, "Who cares?" He has, you know, he, man, he has, Troy Aikman's a savage. Uh, he has uh, he has 16 more passing touchdowns than Aikman's career and 44 less starts. It's wild. Yeah, that's it's pretty impressive. crazy. That's impressive. That's very now, impressive. I was going to ask you guys, do you think – okay, so two questions here. One, sitting right now, the, the answer is probably yes, but do you guys think Tampa going, going with these two games they've played so far, do you think they're the favorite to win the division? And if a quarterback change happens – what do you think happens to this team going forward, though, down the stretch? I still think their secondary is is vulnerable, to say the least, especially with the injuries they've had, and I think that'll eventually catch up with them. So I think I I, I think the temp, the Buccaneers will end up finishing like seven to nine, right around in that place. Whether Fitzpatrick or Winston comes back, seven to nine, eighty eight, which is a much mm-hmm. better record than than many predicted. A lot of people thought maybe anywhere from three to thirteen to five and eleven for the team. But uh, their secondary, very, very vulnerable. I do like their, again, their front seven, absolutely impressive. But secondary suspect, they're going to be going up against very pass-happy teams, especially in the own division. I think the Saints will redeem themselves. Uh, they haven't played the Falcons or the Panthers um, yet this this year either. Um, but, you know, beating beating us and the Eagles back-to-back, pretty impressive. But, uh, no, I, I, I still don't think they're they're going to be able to win this division, though. Yeah, what do you guys think? <laughs> I think the two questions kind of go hand in hand. Like, yeah, if Winston is back in at quarterback, then no, they're not the front runner because that means they're not winning like they were with Fitzpatrick. If mm-hmm. if they're still winning with Fitz, with with Fitzpatrick, I don't <laughs> I don't see why they couldn't be at least a contender to win this division. I mean, they beat us in our own building. And then they beat the de- the defending Super Bowl champions, who beat who beat the Falcons. And I think the Falcons are a better team than the Bucks. I mean, look, it's it's early in the season. It's still kind of a an extension of preseason, and September is just really a month that you kind of have to survive more so than control. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, mean, I I just don't want to write off the Bucks. I mean, anybody who yeah. comes into our building and does that, and then goes back and beats the Eagles the way they did. I mean, I I don't. I'm not going to write them off. Yeah, it's crazy. What do you think, Matt? I think once teams start taking them pretty seriously, they'll they'll start to struggle. Because I think when the Saints win in the week one, they were kind of taking them easy. And when the Eagles win in the when it, when it Tampa played, and they were taking them easy. So I think so. Yeah, essentially, once they once uh, they start going against someone who takes them as serious as they are, they'll start to struggle. But I'm also willing to bet that the Bucks will be that team that will start 5-0 and and then lose their next 8 of 11. I'm willing, That'd be crazy. I'm that that might happen. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. You know, and I think right now... for the past two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The Bucks always, you know, like the Browns, like the Jets, like the Bills, they always find ways to lose somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Fitzpatrick... um. 
stays around, you know, uh, maintains that starter spot. I think the NFC South is going to get really, really interesting down the stretch. I don't know if I could tell uh, if I could say right now they're the front runners. I think right now they look really good for a quarterback who, um, yeah, I mean, a quarterback who has a beard like that and is Fitzpatrick. So it's going to get really interesting. So that's the NFC South. But unfortunately, there are three other divisions all fighting for playoff spots down the stretch. You've got right now, you've got crazy teams who are all impressing really well. You've got the Rams with Todd Gurley and Jared Goff who are going off. You've got the Vikings and Packers who, despite their kicking struggles, tied and still both look really good. You've got the Bears with Khalil Mack who is probably really making John Gruden regret trading him. Um, You've got the Cowboys who are doing here and there, you know, and it's all really crazy right now, but who do you guys see right now as the best teams going into week three for the NFC? For me, it's the Rams. I mean, they're top to bottom. Every single part of that roster is good. Their offense is absolutely stacked. They have a good offensive line. Wide receiving core is deep. Todd Gurley's playing like the best running back in the NFL right now. Um, defensive line is solid. Their secondary is really solid. The only semi-weakness is in that linebacker. Uh, spot and and their backup uh, running back situation. I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried about it. But mm-hmm. um, I would say the Rams, um, with a close second being the Vikings. Okay, Vikings what do you defense think, worries. Yeah, Vikings defense worries me a lot. But I'm I'm with Charlie. I think I think the Rams are, and the NFC is is a very. I mean, it's still very competitive. And I think obviously it's early in the season, so uh, a lot is still going to be going on. But um, I'm surprised by by how, how well the Bears have been playing um, so far in the in the first two weeks. Even though they did lose, they are only one and one. They were, you know, very close to beating Green Bay on the road to start the season, and then they handled their business Monday Night Football against Seattle. So I'm surprisingly impressed by them. But Rams have yeah. have have just been looking uh, great uh, on both sides of the ball, and obviously all of their off-season accusations and the development they've had over the past couple of years uh, is, is paying off for them. It's, it's showing the dividends. So I think I think the Rams, like like Charlie's saying, is that, that's the team that we're going to be looking out for. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking, Matt? With the Rams so far, their 2-0 start is both slightly yet not so slightly surprising. Because um, mm-hmm. I can't... Because I'm still expecting this team to probably collapse a little bit, at least not be as good as they should be. But it's still early in the season. They still have time to slip up and kind of fall in their, fall around their pelvis. Mm-hmm. But with the Vikings, um, they're both, I think, uh, they, they are still pretty uh, challenging. However, I'm not exactly uh, 100% riding on them thinking, it's just kind of a week by week kind of thing with them. I I, I want to see, you know, can they stay, stay healthy? Can they solve all their problems, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with me, I, I, the Rams are good. Like, uh, I think that's just um, you know, like the clear, obvious statement. But I, I'm still holding out that I think the NFC North is going to be the real decider of like who's on top because I like right now. Aaron Rodgers, despite you know the jacked up leg, he's looking pretty good with what with what weapons he's got, and I think Kirk Cousins is still finding ways to slant. Their defense is really good, but uh, the last question I'm going to ask you guys as we get out of here, uh, 
looking at the NFC uh, as a whole, do we see the Saints making the playoffs? And for the AFC, how do we see the things turning out there? Well, uh, I'll go. I'll go first, I guess. Uh, for the okay. for the the, the Saints, um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. It's it's tough to tell again. The and I, I was expecting more teams in the NFC. <clears throat> excuse me to be two and zero at this point than one and one. Or 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 one zero and one as uh, both the Packers and, and Vikings are currently. But um, no, uh, I think the 49ers are going to end up playing a little bit better football as as the time goes on. Uh, same, I, I, I think both the Bears, Packers, and Vikings are going to be fighting for for that division title. Who knows? The Lions that that week one could have been somewhat of a fluke. I, I I don't think that they'll be fighting for playoffs, but I do think they'll be a better team than we were expecting. And then the NFC East is 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 still competitive as as it always is. Besides the Giants, the Giants are uh, <laughs> looking a little bit lost right now. So. It's tough to tell for the Saints, but out of the AFC, for me, uh, it's it's the Jaguars. I, I think the Jaguars are going to come really out. Good. I'm very impressed by Patrick Mahomes as well for the Kansas City Chiefs, but to me, the way that Blake Bortles was able to orchestrate that offense last week and their already Without impressive defense, run for the hills. I, th- I think the AFC is going to belong to the Jaguars when it's all said and done. They were in the championship game last year, and I think that they could get back there again this year and, and win. So uh, if I had to pick right now, I'd say the Jags out of the AFC. What do you think, Charlie? Um, I think the Saints, to me right now, don't look like a playoff team. Um, but they have a playoff roster and they have a Super Bowl winning coach. So those things should be able to come together and uh, be formed into a playoffs run. Um, mm-hmm. so I do think that the Saints will end up making the playoffs because I do think that hopefully it's this week, but eventually the, things are going to start to click for this team and we'll be where we need to be. Um, as far as what the AFC is, that what you guys are talking yes, about? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. AFC. Uh, I think that when the Jags had over the Patriots was huge because you can't beat the Patriots in Foxborough in, 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 in the playoffs. It's just, they don't lose there. So, and that's, what's yeah. been, that's sort of been the, the hang up with, with the Steelers recently because the AFC's kind of just come down to the Patriots or Steelers and whoever is home wins that game. And last year, uh, this, I felt like the Steelers got robbed on that. Was it a, um, that was it a Jesse James touchdown or their tight end touchdown where it should have been a touch? You know, they win that game, then that playoff game that they, you know, would have had pretending that they beat the Jags would have been in Pittsburgh. So, I, I do like what you're saying, Dayton, about the Jaguars because that win can go a long way into determining home field advantage for them. And if the Jags have to go back up to New England, I don't think that it'll be a similar result mm. uh, from from this season. I think they that's a hard place to win in the yeah. playoffs. It's hard so, enough to yeah. win. It's hard enough to win there once during a season. It's almost impossible to do it to do it twice, like you said, especially in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm with you. Home field advantage is going to be for important sure. for those guys. Yeah. Oh, well, you go first, Charlie. Then Matt. You know. No, I was just gonna say I love what I'm seeing out of the Chiefs' offense, but their defense yeah. is so incredibly suspect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? I think this team can probably make it to the playoffs. Uh, division winning might be a little out of reach, depending how the rest of the season goes for the Bucks. But I can see this team making the playoffs. Uh, it's probably going to be a last-minute battle with either the Cowboys or the or the uh, Vikings because those two teams I have go being as wild-card contenders. And, of course, 
there is the Bears too, but fortunately we don't have to play them unless we do make the playoffs. But in the <laughs> AFC, yeah. uh, man, that's a little tough one because instinctively I would say the Patriots, but this is probably the weakest the Patriots have been under Belichick and Brady, in, yeah. all, in all honesty. Uh, the Steelers are fighting themselves because I think right now they're the most selfish team in the NFL. And mm-hmm. uh, with all that said, I think I would also have to say the Jaguars. They just look to be the closest to complete. The problem with the Chiefs is just that it's going to be themselves. Once they get into the playoffs, they're just going to beat themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, and the Jaguars, I think, are probably going to make, probably going to uh, take the AFC. Well, there you go. And for me, I say yes. The Saints make the playoffs. Not sure what C get back to me in like seven weeks. Um, oh boy, that's that's a cop, <laughs> yeah right. It's cop out answer there, Tyler. Seven seven weeks. Is a long <laughs> yeah, time get dog. back to me. Uh, yeah, there you go. Give, I give, won't give, reveal you, anything. You Not can now. get back to me in uh, fourteen weeks, and I'll let you know yeah. what what seed I think the Saints will get. How about that? There we go. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, look out uh, for the AFC. I think look out for the Jags. And Patrick Mahomes is slaying it with the Chiefs. So mm. look out for those two teams. But now we've got one more thing beside up. Uh, before we sign off, and that's the, uh, you know, uh, the thing you all know uh, with this podcast. Before we end it all, and that is the reasons why we love the Saints. Yeah, that could literally be anything—a story, a player, anything about the Saints. And I'm just gonna go quick, real first. Uh, mine's actually it's it's a tearjerker, and I want to pull up on Twitter as I talk about it. But um, Austin Carr, who I somehow uh, said Brandon earlier, I apologize. Uh, actually, I'm going to get this so wrong. He actually, um, it was an NFL film. He uh, donated blood, and I forget the whole transfusion process, but he ended up saving a life of like a 50, 60-year-old guy who um, actually got to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, Super Bowl. But um, it, it was really cool because like he really made a positive uh, difference you know, for this world, and um, he, he actually missed some time in college because of it. He missed about a month. So uh, it was really big for me. I, I saw that um, uh, over this past weekend, so I thought I'd mention it. And that's the reason why I love the Saints. People doing nice things for other people. So, no, That's fantastic. Um, for, for me, it uh, goes back to, I think he was also my reason earlier this week, Cam Jordan. Um, the he, 60 sacks now. Which is fantastic. He also did an interview um, recently. I think he actually did two. No, I think it was all just part of one. Um, he listed off the top seven players in the NFC South, according to him. Drew Brees, of course, is number one. And he also mentioned that I could give you seven names of the best players in the NFC South, all from the Saints, and you wouldn't be able to argue it. <laughs> I think he's absolutely right on that. <laughs> I love that, man. Even though, you know, Luke Keekley, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, uh, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, oh, there are tons, tons of talent there in the NFC South. But Saints also have a lot. So I'm glad he was obviously, uh, you know, <clears throat> saying that for his team. And uh, he also said... Uh, about Drew Brees being a perfectionist. Uh, during practice, he'd watch Brees throw uh, a ball and say, oh, that looks really nice, That that's a good ball. And the patented Drew Brees, nope, don't like it, run it again, is what Brees would say a lot of the times uh, because he would get each and every pass down, multiple reps, until he, Drew Brees, thought it was perfect, thought it was the, the, the correct play that he's going to need to be making. And we, of course, heard what Greg Williams said about Breeze's preparation. So shout-out to Jordan for continuing to uh, uh, talk about the Saints, obviously positively in the media, and give a little bit of insight as to uh, the operations for Drew Brees. So uh, that's that's my reason for this week. 
There you go. How about you, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, mine is just more so of a, like the Saints and Falcons is such an underrated rivalry in mm, in the NFL and really in sports. And like, I I love this rivalry because I hate the Falcons. <laughs> Who doesn't? And, uh, like, we've won some awesome games against them. We've lost some horrible games against them. And uh, you know, being Falcons hate week, reason why I love the Saints is just just this rivalry. I mean, we don't we don't share the same rivalry with the Panthers. We don't. We certainly don't share it with the Bucks. Um, so yeah, ready to uh, ready to to fry up some dirty bird this weekend. Hey, there you go. How about you, Matt? Oh, man, I'm very much looking forward to this game. I'm hoping that you know we don't fall to one and two. I'm hoping that you know we can go over 500 and really you know put that week one um, mishap behind us and really uh, kind of slap our face in the mirror and just get ourselves amped and ready for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Fantastic well, stuff, guys. Yeah, hopefully that happens. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say, uh, Matt. Before we get into our true sign off, um, plug away your social media one more time. All right, uh, I'm on Twitter at NFL Ulrich Seventeen. That's spelled U L R I C H with the number seventeen. Okay, perfect. Okay, so guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Who That Dish podcast. Uh, if you hate the Dirty Birds as much as we do, make sure to drop us a like and uh, tell us why you uh, hate the Dirty Birds as uh, much as we do. Um, as far as our social media goes, uh, we operate solely through Twitter for the most part. As far as our Twitter accounts, you can follow the official Who That Dish podcast account at the WDD podcast. You can follow our great guy, our senior analyst, uh, Charlie Pollock at uh, St. Charlie. You can follow Dayton Brown, my good bud, on the other side of the mic, all the way over in Portland, Oregon, at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. You can follow me, the dude that lives in New York and still reps his Saints, at Raymond Tyler M. Make sure to check out, as Dayton alluded to earlier, about uh, WhoDatDish.com and the WhoDatDish Facebook page. That's where you can find all of our amazing podcast uh, articles, uh, podcast episodes, articles. You can find everything there. If you're not living there, you should be, as Dan always says. Um... And make sure to just check out our episodes on Spreaker.com and iTunes. Just search the Who That Dish podcast. Saints-Falcons taking place this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Central New Orleans time. It is in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium over in Atlanta. Second division matchup in three weeks for the Saints to begin the season. Very important game. Be sure you are there uh somewhere to to watch this game yeah. uh because it is the most important so far uh for the Saints. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. We hope that we were able to help get you uh fully previewed and prepared for this upcoming uh rivalry game for the Saints. Uh we'll talk to you guys next week with the review of course. We thank Matt for coming on as a guest. Always thank Charlie for being a fantastic senior analyst for us. Um but guys, yeah, be sure to go to iTunes to subscribe and rate us. Go to swag.fansided.com, search the Who Dat Dish podcast for all of our merch there, including the t-shirts, the poster, and the mug that you can get. Um, And do everything that Tyler said as well. And as always, Who Who Dat? Who Dat?